This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. We've got to find different ways to win games, and we did that once again today. I think that, you know, we weren't happy, obviously, after two periods being down a goal, and we came out and we pushed in the third, and, and we got that goal, and then we sealed it in OT, so uh, we're a resilient group. I think, I think I said that word, you know, a million times, but that's what we are. We don't like losing, and, uh, you know, we, we do whatever it takes to, to try and win every game. Come on, Steve. I thought you were going to play the horn. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Uh, come he told on. me last night, I'm going to have the horn to play at the intro to Power Lunch. What was that last night? It's like the Vikings are arriving, Dave. Look <laughs> out. You know? I mean... You that act, that to- sound that sound is a little more pleasant than what was coming out of Little <laughs> you know Caesars Arena is, last night. Is well, the game was was going on uh, early on, and and you could start to hear the horn in the background. I, I went to my son. I said, "What is that noise in the <laughs> background?" Is I was like, "Because this is bizarre. Either they're having some sort of issue, or I don't know. This is just going to be the new norm the, in this game." And then- <laughs> we're not having we're not having whistles anymore. We're just having. <laughs> I was like, are we like at a soccer match? Is, is Chief blowing a horn in the background <laughs> while he's calling the game with you? And then, you know, we're really, I think, annoyed the lightning, Dave, is when they actually had possession. Oh, yeah. In the, in oh, the yeah. uh, Red Wings own zone. <laughs> it didn't just like, annoy the lightning players and coaches. Oh. <laughs> we were pretty annoyed <laughs> in our studio as well. And then I think Steve said in between the, the commercial break, he's like, why don't they just unplug whatever they have to do and i was like you know what that probably makes well i did read i did read somewhere might have been actually eric's post game on lightninginsider.com nice. shameless plug subscribe <laughs> segment of the show yeah and i think they were told that to get it reset it would take 10 minutes so they just gotcha. decided to wait until the first intermission to do that but you're right yeah. how often do we need to have the horn there are well, two instances: you... the end of a period, yeah, or if a goal has been scored and was missed, and play is continuing, and they 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 sound that horn to signal stop play. There was a goal, which is why they stopped play during that lightning power play. Because usually, if you hear the horn, it means stop. You know what it was? I think they were so shocked that Adam Ernie scored first, they just didn't know what to <laughs> no, do. And so no. they kept playing. Come they on. kept playing they kept playing the horn over and over again <laughs> until it settled in that the Red Wings actually had a lead in the first period. They actually led uh in this game and uh, you know, uh, Derek Lalonde's going to be joining us here in just a bit. Dave, I I got to be honest, I was impressed with Detroit. I thought they played as well as they could have. Thomas Grice was pretty decent in net. But what I'm impressed about when it comes to the Lightning from this game, big picture, kind of like what we saw in Chicago, is that, one, I, I think they took some pretty good punches from the Red Wings and found a way to win against a team that's, you know, at the bottom of the standings. Those games are hard to get up for, and that's just life. I mean, anytime you're playing against an inferior opponent, sometimes as a professional— you don't bring your A game. The other team has something to do with that for sure. But I, I think it's it's tougher to get up for the Red, the Red Wings than it is, let's say, you know, the Florida Panthers or somebody else in the division. I think that's fair. 
The other thing, too, I think that's very fair to point out, and it's one of the reasons why the Lightning don't go into long losing streaks, but even when they're down in a game, particularly when Vasilevsky is starting, they don't let the game get out of hand. They, they kind of stop the bleeding a bit. So they're down 3-2 heading into the third. You know, it never became 4-2. It never became 5-2. And they were able to chip away. It probably speaks more to Vassy than anything else. But I, I do have to give credit to the Lightning that they do buckle down a bit and understand that, listen, let's not make this a two-goal game. Let's try and tie this thing up. And the Red Wings never put the Lightning away. Chicago at times never put the Lightning away. It's a credit, I think, to Tampa Bay where they are, Dave, not only talent-wise, but mentally as a team that, you know, they just have kind of a workmanlike attitude about it. There were a couple of things at play last night that are unrelated to the points you just made, which I think we have to factor in as well. Detroit had not played since March the 4th. That's a rare break in the schedule during this 56-game season. Now, the Lightning have had long breaks like that, but those were due to canceled games. I don't know if in the original version of the schedule if the Lightning had four days with no game in a row. The Red Wings had it, and again, I don't know their schedule well enough to, to know if they had a game on there that got, that got moved to accommodate another team. Whatever the case, they had a lot of energy. And John Cooper said that, as you would expect, right? They, they've had four days to get ready for this game. And they do want to beat the Lightning really badly. It's now 19-0-1 is the Lightning streak in the last 20 regular season games against Detroit. And there have been some of the players, Dylan Larkin for sure, has been there for all of those games. Maybe he he missed a game or two here or there because of an injury, but he's been with the Red Wings during all 20 of those regular season games. Not to mention the 2016 playoff series when Larkin was a rookie and the Red Wings lost to the Lightning in that series as well. And then you have the Lightning who are playing game five of a six-game road trip, which I understand. They're not moving around as much, but you're still in the hotel. You're still playing games regularly. You're still on a road trip. And I think that we would we would not be doing justice to analyzing this game if we didn't bring that up. <laughs> and I do think that the Red Wings, especially in the second period, had a lot of jump. Now, look, you can have a tired team relative to its schedule taking on a fresher team, and you could still see the ice tilted against the fresher team. And in fact, I think that happened in the first and the third, where the Lightning really dictated play for long stretches. But it's not just it's the Red Wings. We need to get up and play the Red Wings. It's also we just played Thursday, Friday, Sunday, coming back Tuesday. The Wings haven't played in five days. And I think that may have that may have played a little bit of a role in, in how that game went last night, too. Lightning come away with another win, which is certainly impressive. Keep munching points together, Dave. And, you know, you take a look at their record and – really some of the metrics and the metrics that most people look at, which is, you know, goals for, goals against, plus minus differential. And it's it's a, it's pretty impressive we've gotten to this point where the Lightning basically are better than they were last year. I have no idea if that's going to hold true heading into the playoffs, but 
I think the reason why I think it's so impressive is because we typically don't see that type of play consistently after you win a cup the year after in a parody-driven league. So uh, kudos to the Lightning for finding ways, Dave, to make an impact basically game in and game out. It doesn't hurt when you have the best goaltender in the world that you can kind of rely on. But, you know, here we are last night. Chernak has a, a big game. He comes back. He's in the lineup. That was great to see. I thought Alex Barry Boulay in limited time looked pretty good. And I think that's a fascinating conversation that we're going to have today and probably throughout the year. You talk about this rotation of younger players coming up from Syracuse, Dave, and you wonder, is it just going to be somewhat of a revolving door? Or at some point, will John Cooper and his staff have to look at this and say, you know what? This guy seems to be separating himself from the others. Perhaps we need to give him a few more games. Because I've told you before on this show that out of all of the guys we've seen called up, Jamel Smith has impressed me the most. But clearly, you know, he's gotten in here and there, but he's he's down in Syracuse for various reasons. But I think the next guy in line who has at least opened up my eyes a bit, I'm curious what your take would be, is Alex Bari-Boulet. And I understand once this team gets healthy, we went over the line combinations yesterday. We're probably not talking about some of these guys as your top 12, but at least right now in the moment, Barry Boulet has impressed me a bit more with his offensive skills than I, I could have imagined. And for me, it's worth another look, I think. And I, I'm curious if that does happen or if we're just going to see an, another guy take his place on Thursday and then another guy take that guy's place on Saturday. I'm, I'm really interested how that's going to play out. And it's probably a question I want to ask Derek Lalon too. Well, I'm not surprised that you've been impressed by Barry Boulay's offensive skills. There's a reason why he scored 34 goals in the American Hockey League as a rookie and won Rookie of the Year. And even in limited time last night and in, in fairly limited time in his NHL debut, you can see his skill. So two plays last night. The first, I think, was on the power play in the first period. The Lightning had three first-period power plays. They scored on on one of those. This was on one of the ones they did not score on. But Barry Boulay is at the left circle, so he's on a strong side. He gets a cross-ice pass that he one-timed the shot, and it just went over the net. And Chief even said, like, we've talked about this with Plot. It's easier to one-time a shot when you're on the other side of the ice, when, when, yeah. you're, when you're on your offside a lefty on the right or a righty on the left, like Stamkos is a righty. He plays at that left circle. He's in position to take a one-timer. Barry Boulay has the puck go across his body and still one-times the shot and just barely missed. That's not an easy play, and he almost scored. And then in the second period, he got the puck similar spot. This was five on five. He got the spot at the left circle, and he wheeled and he shot it to the net, and Thomas Grace had to make a sneaky tough save on it. Maybe it wasn't sneaky, but maybe the shot was sneaky. Like he got it with almost the top of his left arm up around the shoulder. It was going in the top of the net. So the the question is when a guy has that much skill, like yeah, he can he can shoot, he can make plays, he can score. The question is 
are the other parts of his game at the NHL standard so that he can use those skills regularly. Understanding that goalies are better in the NHL than they are in the American Hockey League. But his skill set isn't going to be diminished because he's getting to the NHL. The question is, you know, his skating, his his battle level, his ability to, to kind of keep up with the play, put himself in a position to use that skill. And he's done it so far. So good on him. I thought he had a really strong game. And we'll get into this maybe a little bit more on the other side of our interview with, with Derek. But I wanted to bring up two things that sure. that struck me from last night's game. One is the play of Chernak, which is the obvious one, right? Yeah. Where everything that went into the last couple of days for him, from from the hit from Murphy to him not being able to finish that game to his maybe a little bit of a surprising quick recovery to the monster game, monster game he had last night. Tremendous performance. Chief made him the number one star in our broadcast, deservedly so. And the second is to play the fourth line, which I know has been a topic we've been hoping to get to here in the last couple of shows. Yeah. Maybe for different reasons, because the fourth line had its struggles at points in the Chicago series, if we're speaking perfectly plainly. They did. They they had some minus shifts. Yep. They, they didn't have a lot of puck possession. I know Maroon scored on the power play in, in the 6-3 game. I thought they had a really productive game last night, and and they were the line out there on Chernak's tying goal, and Barry Boulay was a part of that. So I thought the fourth line had a really good game last night. They did, and you know Pat Maroon with a great pass over to Chernak, and I want to get into Blake Coleman's goal, Dave. I thought that goal, his shot, was more difficult than people are giving credit for. Same reason. I mean, it's a one timer, yeah. but the puck is. I mean, the puck was kind it's of in more front into of it, his but it's body. still going across his body, you know? Yeah, it's, it, was, it wasn't like he extended. He had to pull that back, and uh, it's a top shelf. Top shelf, folks. That was beautiful. Tyler Johnson, is he starting to maybe turn a little bit of a corner? He looked good last night. That was positive. And uh, we will talk about that fourth line a bit more. But we want to get to uh, Derek Lalonde. He is up next. We'll talk to the Lightning assistant coach. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. Steve Versnick is our producer. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Lanelli with you along with my partner, Dave Michigan. Lightning get another win last night against the Red Wings. Blake Coleman finishing a 2-1-1 beautiful shot to uh, give Tampa the win. And they'll get set to take on the Red Wings again on Thursday night. But to talk about that game and so much more, we've had him on the show before. Always enjoy his knowledge and taking the time to talk with us. That would be Lightning assistant coach Derek Lalonde. And, uh, Derek, first off, thank you so much again for taking some time to talk hockey with us. And I'm wondering, did you wake up in the middle of the night to horns playing in the background? <laughs> that was a unique experience. Just when you think you, uh, you saw it all. I know the, it was happening the first couple times just after the whistle. So it, and the ref just came over and said it was obviously a clock issue. Um it's not reading the memory or something on those lines and it just goes off on the horn. Then it started happening during play. And unfortunately it's not easy uh, getting a setup on the power play. We had an unbelievable entry. Uh, we go east west with it. We literally have it on top to headmen and it looks like we're in a really good shape and the horn goes off. And it was like, and uh, that was the first time. And 
I know Coop's lying to the ref. Uh, the ref's like, what can you do? And he's like, this is the NHL. <laughs> you should not be having <laughs> horns going off in the middle of play. And basically, and they said, hey, just play through it. So we went through the whole first period playing through the horn. So that was a unique experience for sure. We said on the air it should be like when you practice the power play in practice and just instead of a face-off, just give the puck to the Lightning to start things again. Clearly, they didn't do that. Uh, Newsy, I have kind of a, a, a general overall question. You're about a week away from hitting the halfway point of the season, and we know the record is fantastic. You guys have put yourself in a great spot in terms of the standings. As far as the process, though, how the team is playing, how the team has played, how would you assess where the Lightning are right now and, and how they have gone in this first half? Uh, really good. I think that's a great question. But you know, we try to judge ourselves in process. And, you know, many times you're doing it when you play well, don't get results. And you're trying to show the guys that we are doing things correctly. In this situation, obviously, we're getting results. Um, you know, we're just going about our business. It, it just with the games coming so quick, you, you you really don't have time to reflect that much on where you're at. And I just saw a stat the other day. It's it's been our best start in the history of our organization. I would have never expected that, especially some of the success we've had over the last couple of years. So we're obviously finding ways to win. It's a huge credit to the guys, and obviously our goalie is playing at a world class Vezina caliber right now so I, I would say really good now there is some inconsistencies uh, there's some parts in our game that uh, we that have been up and down at times and um, we want to caution ourselves in that we want to be careful about continually pounding the guys uh, on the process and when they're not performing holding them accountable to there's just some things in our schedule. It's just a, a reality to it. Um, I know the front end of uh, this trip we played in Chicago. We had the Dallas trip. We go into Chicago. Chicago had the four days off before we plan. Recipe for disaster, and it was. We got taken to the woodshed. We were on our heels the whole game, found a way to win. Well, last night was stacking up the same way. Um, we had the three and four. Uh, we're traveling, and and Detroit hadn't played in five days, which is a very unique thing in our schedule. So I think it was a little natural to expect a little letdown from our guys. I think we saw that in the second, but I love the way we battled in the first and the third. So on a whole, pretty happy with the process. Um, at the same time, our day-to-day, -day, we're, we're talking about and trying to beat in the guys a little more consistency in their overall game. Derek Lalonde joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Coach, as a coaching staff, can you make the case that your number one job this year is managing minutes of your guys because of the condensed schedule? Yeah, no. I think that's a reality of it. I still think our number one priority is to win hockey games. Um, but I think there's going to become a reality. We have actually our analytics guys. I've talked about some numbers. There's a couple target guys that we've talked about numbers and the forwards seem to be taking care of themselves. Uh, but we do have a workload of some of our D that we want to start managing. Uh, but it's hard. Um, and these guys are competitors too. You're in the moment of winning the game. I, I go the other night. Uh, we lose Chernak. Um, we're playing short with our D and we're up four to three in the third. And, uh, McDonough's in the penalty box. 
so obviously you know our probably our biggest workhorse left especially on the left side um is headman and headman and this is why he is who he is why he's a world-class player this is why he's a stanley cup champion he starts to penalty kill and he gets about 50 seconds 55 seconds <clears throat> into the kill we get a clear and we have two guys up and he looks at the bench and he looks at the clock and he kind of gave us the nod and I'm going to finish this penalty. And he went up ice and started forechecking, you know, got into a structure and played the entire two minutes. So it's tough to pull that out of a guy. He understands this is a penalty kill with a 4-3 lead with eight minutes. So if he knows if we get through this, our likelihood of winning is pretty good. He ends up playing the whole two minutes. So it's hard to manage a guy's minutes when he's just so competitive. So there is a reality that I think it's going to become more of a reality as the schedule down the stretch becomes even crazier. Uh, but right now our priority is winning hockey games. We're doing that. And I think, you know, I think we can probably do both, try to win, but manage the guys' minutes also. Well, maybe related to minutes – you have done the coaching staff has done a very consistent job of working guys into the lineup and some have never played in the nhl before whether we're talking about barry boulet or ross colton borgman has but he just came in for his first lightning game the other day what has been your assessment of how these guys have performed when they've gotten the chance to play and, and coming in in some instances to make their nhl debut well, really excited about the two forwards. Um, I think Barboulet in his two games has shown a ton. He shows hockey sense. He shows world-class skill. Uh, he manages his game extremely well. Uh, and the same for Colton. Colton drove our fourth line the one night um, and did an excellent job. So I, I know our management team does a really good job of – letting us get a feel for the guys you know they they're excited they're going to put those guys in a position to win uh but they want us to feel it out ourselves uh and which i think is probably the right thing to do and our first impression of those two gets us real excited and sometimes we want to caution ourselves it's maybe on expectations where you know we've never seen these young guys obviously they're young They've never played in the NHL, so we don't have a huge or high expectation of them. Then they come and perform, and you're like, oh, we might have something here. But I, we've really liked everything about them, uh, and that I think that's very exciting. And unfortunately, uh, with the reality of the cap and the taxi squad, we've been locked into some games where we haven't been able to play them uh, when we've wanted to. It's just not we're up at the exact number in the cap and we haven't had the luxury of just rifling guys in and out like possibly in the past. So the impression of those guys has been excellent uh, early on, uh, but it still is early. It's still a lot for them. A lot of times it's just adrenaline, those guys playing, but they look very comfortable. And every time those guys have been in, they've given us a lot and given us a spark. Derek Lalonde joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Coach, how do you evaluate players from Syracuse who played in a top six role but aren't getting necessarily top six minutes at the NHL level? That's a great question. Um, if, and it's probably projection too. Like we foresee Ross Colton helping our bottom six uh, soon in the NHL here. So we kind of have a, 
a vision of him being slotted there. Uh, but Barbele, we feel, is a top-nine talent, and we feel he has to be around um, like players like that. And I know the first time we played him, uh, we did have him in a top-nine role, and we had him on the power play um, where we thought he could thrive and do well, and he did do a really good job. He played with Yanni Gord uh, his first game, and those guys uh, had some good looks and played very well. Last night, uh, of late, we went to a, a little bit different top-nine look, um, into the Chicago games, and I've really liked our top nine uh, right now. They've, there's just a chemistry, maybe just a little spark, uh, but all three lines have been productive. So now we want to get BB in, and it was a quote-unquote technically on that fourth line, uh, but he performed great, and those guys drove us last night. Those guys gave us good minutes, and I just think today's NHL is a lot different Um there's many nights and many lineups where you don't just you simply don't have that traditional fourth line, where they're literally out there for eight minutes. They're literally out there to eat minutes. Um, they're a certain identity. Today's NHL, you know, your second through fourth, um, even your one through four lines might just all blend together, uh, and I think that's where we kind of were with our lineup last night. Um, so. To me, uh, you still want to slot those guys. Really have to be successful. Uh, it is a lot different. Obviously, Barbele is an absolute all-star and superstar in the American Hockey League. And then he comes in and his two games, he's playing eight to ten minutes. It's a lot different. So it's a tough assessment. I think it's more of a reality. Um, but again, we've been very happy with both those guys. I have a question about a, a play that Barry Boulay made last night. It was similar to Coleman's overtime winner that Greg was just talking about, the difficulty of, of having a shot like that. So backing up, Jeff Halpern had talked about how the Lightning liked putting Palat at the right circle on the power play because it opens up a one-timer. And certainly when a guy's on his offside, that one-timer is there and available because the puck comes to a stick first as opposed to across his body. But – uh, I'm sure you remember the play on that first period power play. Barry Boulay takes a one-timer on his strong side, almost put it in and went over the crossbar. And then Coleman kind of does the same thing on the two-on-one where it, it's going almost across his body and he's executing that one-timer. How difficult is that for a player to not have the puck reach the stick blade first. It either has to go across his body or maybe in front of his body and then execute that play. That's a world-class skill, uh, and that's why we think Barbelay could be special. Um, he is able to do things like that. And if you recall, he had a scoring chance, I believe, in the second or third period where it was almost similar, but it was five-on-five. Five. It came to him in the dot, that little F3 area. He did the same thing, and he almost beat um, – the goal it hit him in the shoulder it surprised the goalie just because it should not have come off his stick that quick just because of the things you described um it is an unbelievable skill that's the type of skill these guys work on uh and some guys that's world class and he's one guy that can do that and again that again that makes us excited about what he could potentially be Derek Lon joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Coach, what was your assessment of Andreas Borgman the other night? And do you feel like there is more of a push to get him in there just because, as we saw the other night, a couple of injuries, and then all of a sudden the back end's a bit depleted? Yeah, really good. Um, Borgman can skate. And the way we play, uh, we like to get up ice. We like our D to join the rush. We like our D to initiate gaps 
uh, in the offensive zone, um, and he can do all of those things. Uh, he can break a puck out. He can skate with the puck. So he had some uh, looks there. And for us, we needed to get him in because we want to be comfortable and confident with him. And he and he did that for us. We wanted to see what uh, he could play in an NHL game because he has done well in practice. We've liked him in our post-practice uh, skates. And it was probably a little bit of a matchup too. Um, Chicago skates very well. They get up and down the ice uh, fast. Um, and it was more of a matchup, and, and he performed great. So uh, he accomplished what we had hoped. Uh, it gave us another option on the left side. We were excited about it. I know we haven't banged up. I know yesterday both uh, Ruda and Sergachev were game-time decisions from lingering injuries from the previous game. And, you know, basically, if it was going to be Sergeyev out, we would have been comfortable with Borgman going as a lefty. If it would have been Ruda out, we would have been comfortable with Shen as a righty. So uh, it just gives us options, and you need the depth, uh, especially, and you've already mentioned, getting nicked up. And uh, you saw last year with our playoff run. Compared to our previous year, uh, we learned how important depth is, especially on the back end. And uh, we need everyone, so it, that's it's a good sign also going forward um, is to play a Borgman. Last one from me, Derek. Uh, John Cooper is a coach who's not afraid to mix up his lines if he, feel the com- if he feels the combinations are going stale or he's just looking for different combinations. How beneficial is that, not just in the moment, but opening the eyes of the coaching staff to potential combinations down the road if they kind of go back to their usual – combinations yeah. that you know now like you can put a Sorelli with a point and a Pilat and that's a really good combination very important and I give uh, you know one of the things that attracted me to this position was spending some time with Coach Cooper um, because you know I think he's one of the best coaches um, in the league and he's proving himself so but that's one of his real true skills is his ability to change lines there's been times you know, we confirm lines and we do it on the bench and there's times I'm like, I don't, I don't see that lineup coop and he does it and, and it explodes. And this was a case the other night, uh, we were stale, uh, in Chicago and, uh, he moves Sorelli out of the number two center role, puts him up with, um, pointer and that line sparked. And then, uh, Yanni was driving that second line as a two center. And then we got a spark out of Kalorn and Stamkos. And then the third line uh, with Johnny back in the middle with Coleman and uh, Goudreau on the wings might have been our best line for the last three games. Um, so I, I think those sparks are healthy. Um, and, I, and again, it, it just it, sometimes it, it gives guys a personal spark, but it puts guys slotted where they may benefit them or, 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 or slotted better throughout the lineup. And I think it's healthy, and I think that's been a part of our success. Now, we seem to have that luxury because of our depth. Obviously, this new cap world, every year depth's going to be less and less. Uh, but when you have that luxury, it, it makes uh, it makes you look like a really good coach. Some guys can go up and down the lineup when we have that type of lineup. Coach, last question in general. You guys are focused, obviously, on winning games, not awards. But does Andre Vasilevsky need to be in the conversation of MVP? You know, it's, it's a really tough year um, because of the, the conferences not, you know, the, the divisions playing only within the division. 
we're not surprised. Our we knew our division was going to stack up as arguably the toughest in the NHL simply because these teams defend. Uh, they just check, and it's not right, wrong, or indifferent. They're just, it's just different. And so I, I, you know, I think around the league, people are surprised with the Carolinas, the Floridas. We're not. We know. I was Dallas. Is, these guys just check. It's just different. Um, we have to be careful on our team when we're only getting nine, ten chances a night on, on judging our performance. But we see it every day. And the impact he has on games, um, I, I can't see how he cannot be. And I, again, I caution my, you know, this comment with it's so tough to tell because of the division, of how the division is separated. But the impact he has on the game, um, he's playing at a, in, he's a world class. He's great. I don't know if he's been better. Than what he's showing this year, and that and that's a mouthful uh, with yeah. him. So, I'd be shocked if he's not. It's just going to be a really interesting year how this all plays out. And boy, I'd, I'd have to say similar Victor Hedman, uh, the impact he's had on these games. And um, I don't think it's an accident. We're sitting with a seven ninety whatever plus one percentage you know, with the way those two guys are playing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Coach, thanks for taking time today. We'll do it again soon, and best of luck uh, the rest of the way here. Thanks, Anytime. Derek. Thanks, guys. All right, that is assistant coach for the Lightning, Derek Lalonde. And uh, before we go to break, we'll get some questions into at Bolts Radio. We have them uh, starting to trickle in. Uh, high praise there, Dave. We were talking about uh, Alex uh, Barre-Boulet and, and his yeah. impact. I always find it interesting because you and I have had – we've dedicated some shows to this about how guys who are in a top-six role – down in the minors or maybe they're a first round pick and they don't spend time uh, in the minors and they go right to the NHL club but they get put on a third and fourth line and sometimes they just don't mesh well with the other players because the skill sets are drastically different I think that is a challenge maybe next to the speed of the game and how things are played I've got to think for a younger player who has been the guy or one of the guys in the minor leagues putting up points to not be that guy at the NHL level and to find your role, find your niche, I think that can be extremely challenging, especially when you're not getting 18 to 20 minutes a night. But Barry Boulay, again, he has stood out. And it's, for me, I don't want to read the analytics on his two games. It's more of the eye test, Dave. I love the eye test. For me, I learn more just my own eyes. What am I seeing out there? And Barry Boulay, through two games, has opened up my eyes more than maybe any other younger player that has come up so far and tried to perform the same role he has been put in right now for the Lightning. His minute totals in the two games, the the total in game one, the total in game two, similar. I was trying to remember who he played with in that first game at Carolina. But remember, that was the game where Sorelli was out. That was Sorelli's first game that he missed. I think missed he played with Gord. Yeah, I, he did play with Gord. Was it Kalorn? Is the other I think winger? it was Kalorn. So he was wasn't Kalorn, on yeah. the quote unquote fourth line in that no. game. But last night he was. So to the extent that you asked the question, you know, how does a guy who plays in a. a top six or top three clearly he's the main guy in the American Hockey League on Syracuse in terms of getting minutes and opportunities and power play and all of that 
how is a guy like that going to fit in on the fourth line? He fit in fine. I mean, I was just saying before we, we talked to Derek, the fourth line drove play last night, and they came up with a huge goal. Chernak scored it, but they brought it into the offensive zone. Yeah. So good on Barry Boulay to play in those different situations, whether it's with a Yanni Gord. Good good on you for remembering that, because now that you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, they put him with Yanni Gord. So the two Dave, every once in a while. Every French once Canadians. in a while, I, I, yes, I, pull, yes. I pull out of my you-know-what. I know, I know. Very impressive. <laughs> but I, I thought he slotted in well on, on the fourth line as well last night. The one other thing that was interesting from Derek, and he always gives us a nugget. <laughs> Remember the last time he was on? Yeah. He was the one who told us, yeah, it had been a playoff game. Stamp goes would have played. <laughs> That's why you need to come to Lightning Power Play, Dave. I know, I know. So the the nugget that we heard in this interview, and it's not earth-shattering, but it's interesting, is that the Lightning, and, and I don't understand enough, and we've had discussions with Eric about this, relating to the cap and the taxi squad and emergency recall and all of that, the Lightning want to save as much money as they can through, let's say, you know, each each day – that they are not having their daily salary go to the cap is money that they can spend later, right? So some of it may not be they're absolutely forced to go with this lineup, but they may choose to go with a particular lineup to give themselves flexibility down the road. But what he basically said was, in a in a different world, we would probably have seen Barry Boulay and Colton more, and maybe Jamel Smith more, than we have if, if I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said but he basically sure. said you know we haven't been able to just mix up the lineup like we'd like because of the cap and that is interesting so it's not always just like you have said I'd like to see Jamel Smith in there well maybe maybe John Cooper would like to see him in too but the situation is dictating that he can't right now or it's better not to because that may open up some opportunities, yes. whether it's to add a player at the deadline or just more flexibility in the last five to six weeks of the regular season. They're they're kind of sticking with with a different lineup, the lineup that doesn't include these guys. And every once in a while, we're seeing Colton, we're seeing Barry Boulay, we're seeing Jamel Smith. Maybe we'll see Taylor Radish. The Borgman situation is different. They had injuries on defense, but right now they are relatively speaking, healthy at forward, other than Kucherov, who's been out all year, and Mitchell Stevens, who's been out most of the year. So I think we need to do a feature when Coach Lalonde comes on. <laughs> yes. Because you mentioned Newsies, the Nuggets. Newsies Nuggets, yes. <laughs> News, I was just going to say, new, you know what, Dave? Great minds think alike. Yes. I was just going to say, Steve, pre-produce it. Newsy Nuggets, and we can use that during the pregame show. And we can drop in little hints that he <laughs> yes. suggests throughout the broadcast. Because I think... You're absolutely right on that. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, he talked about Sorelli and Point playing together, and they really like that. Now, do I think, Dave, long-term in the playoffs, that's going to stay? My first inclination when those guys played with one another was no way because Sorelli gives you so much down the middle behind Point that – well, look at the really good teams. You're strong down the middle. And uh, name a better one-two punch, both offensively and defensively, than Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli. And when you put them together, do you lose that? But I also got the sense, Dave, talking 
to Newsy right there. They probably don't do that if Yanni Gord's not playing at such a high level. And I think right. that also needs to be taken into consideration because I've, I have to be pretty frank with you. Yanni Gord, I always felt like, in a perfect world, was a third-line center who could give you just enough offense and play with such grit that he complemented the other two centers very well. And maybe I still believe that. You know, essentially, once they get to the playoffs, maybe that will play out. And part of John Cooper mixing up the lines is keeping things fresh, keeping things new, engaging. It's a long season, even a 56-game schedule, Dave. You want to keep guys engaged, and I think one way to do that is to switch up the lines and have guys play with different players. I, I, I really believe there is something to that. In addition but, to opening up doors for down the road. Yes. So it's informative for the coaches. Like Newsy even said, you know, he's looking at the line combinations when, when Coop, I guess, suggested let's put Sorelli with, with point apply. He's like, no. <laughs> no way. He didn't say that, but he was basically skeptical. And then sure. it worked. And he he's like, I credit Coop. Well, would you rather do it two months into the regular season to see what you've got or be forced to put together new combinations yes. In game five of the playoffs where you're down by a couple of goals going into the third period. No question. And we have talked about guys on this team who, with their skill sets, probably could play in a top six role. It's just because Tampa Bay is so deep. Your third line on other teams could be the second or maybe even the first line. Who knows? But Gord, Gord has really impressed me, Dave. I mean... It's almost like he's taken another step in his progression, obviously as a hockey player in general, but offensively. I mean, I I think he's getting chances. He's using his speed. You know you're going to get that forecheck every single night for the most part. And I actually feel like Blake Coleman is right there with him, which is always interesting when those two guys play with one another because I think they have enough grit to really give you something on the third line. But they're both former 20-goal scorers who could play in a top six. And if they get their play elevated minutes-wise, I'm really intrigued to see what they can do. I don't know if it'll happen. It's an option, of course. But those two guys, especially, I feel like over the last week or so, I mean, how many times have you mentioned Blake Coleman getting chances shorthanded on a breakaway? I mean, I think you're seeing the skill set here. Maybe it's just them being more comfortable with one another. Maybe it's just opportunity. I don't know what it is. I'm just telling you. It's sticking out that they are getting chances and really good chances offensively. And that speaks to, I think, their progression as as players, but also where Tampa Bay is depth-wise uh, in this top-nine role that a lot of these guys are in. Yanni Gord, well, he, he always brings that high motor and high energy and willingness to battle. And he, he never has lost the ability to, to skate. That, that has certainly always been in his arsenal, whether he's going well or, or not going well. And I hearken back to his two-month gold drought last year. What he has going for him right now is confidence. He's playing like a confident player, and so he is making plays that a player who is not confident has a harder time making. And that's true whether we're talking about Yanni Gord or any other player. It's funny how much confidence can 
swing a player's productiveness and decisiveness with which a player shoots the puck or makes a pass, doesn't hesitate, etc. I think that's what we're seeing this year from from Gord and getting rewarded helps, right? Like that helps your confidence. But I wonder how much in retrospect that two-month gold drought in a weird way helped Gord because all players are going to go through slumps. It's how you navigate through that slump and pull yourself out of it that helps define you as a player. And, and it gives you – it's another important marker of experience. So before you have a two-month gold drought or let's say a two-week gold drought or any kind of a slump, how are you going to handle that when you lose your confidence? How are you going to work your way out of it? And until you actually work your way out of it, you don't know at the NHL level anyway. And so Yanni did that last year. And if you remember, Greg, what he said was, paraphrasing here, but basically he said was, I stopped worrying about not scoring. And I just tried to to kind of go back to my building block basics of skating, working hard, playing good defense, motor always going, and let the chips fall where they may. And that opened things up for him. And he scored that overtime goal in Pittsburgh, remember? That that snapped his, his long goal drought, which I'm sure was great for him because not only does he end the goal drought, he ends it in overtime to win the game for his team. And then he has a terrific playoff as well, and he's carried that forward into this year. But you wonder in retrospect how much kind of dealing with a slump and figuring out a way to get out of a slump can help a player. And I, I think it did. I think it helped Yanni. And, I think and, you're right. You know, he's playing at an extremely high level, but he's also playing like a confident player this year. That was my point. Yeah, and you mentioned going through those struggles, and I think it probably speaks to the team, too, after you know being swept by Columbus. And this is you know, a couple of years ago. This this is why yeah. I think Tampa Bay is such a tough team to handle because they've been through all the the negative aspects of of playing in the upsets already. And that's not to say they won't endure more. I mean, it's sports. Injuries happen. Slumps are going to happen. Things are just going to transpire that force you into some uncomfortable situations. But there are many uh, more uncomfortable situations, Dave, a team has to go through than being swept in the first round of a playoffs as the number one seed coming off one of the greatest regular seasons of all time. I mean, that that certainly will get your attention, and you can go one of two ways. You can you can wilt and go into a free fall, or you can suck it up and, and say, okay, let's have some long conversations about why we lost and get better. I feel like Gord has done that individually, but I think the team in general – has done that, which, again, is one of these things where, you know, we're watching these games, and the thing that keeps sticking out to me is that you're not going to win every game. You do know that, for the most part, teams have you marked on their schedule because you are the defending Stanley Cup champs, and that when you do get the other team's best shot, you take it, you kind of gather your bearings, so to speak, and you find a way to win. For the most part, you know, Chicago and, and Detroit, again, just a couple of examples because they're fresh in my mind, you know, had leads at times during during these stints and they could never put Tampa Bay away and the lightning chip away, chip away. And finally, at some point, they're going to find their game. It may not happen for the full game. It may only come in spurts. Maybe it's a, a 10 or 15 minute period, Dave, where the lightning are clicking, but that's enough for them to 
take the lead and and pick up points in this crazy condensed schedule we're living in right now. So I think mentally this team is as strong as, as you can have in today's game. I think Gord probably personifies that a bit because of, of his struggles as well. But I, I think it is something to keep an eye on. And I think it's one thing the coaching staff can look at and really say, you know what? I don't have to worry too much about this team riding the ship when we hit a rough patch because a lot of those guys have been through some struggles and they understand what it takes to get out. I mean, look at Tyler Johnson. How many conversations have we had about Tyler Johnson and his play this year? And, you know, the things that guy went through in the offseason, being put on waivers, understanding that he probably was, you know, uh, going to be dealt. It didn't happen. And so you have to come back. I'm sure you have to swallow your pride a bit. You have to be a professional. This is part of it. And you have to find a way to be productive. And you know what? Tyler Johnson last night, good for him for making an impact. And I don't know what the future holds for that guy, but he's got 12 points through 23 games. Uh, does he end up playing on a fourth-line role when everybody's healthy? Who knows? But you've got to think Tyler Johnson at some point, Dave, and maybe we started to see it a bit last night, can start to feel a bit better about his game and you know, start doing things we're used to seeing you know, Tyler Johnson doing. And I, I thought yesterday was a, another good step in that process for him. Yeah, it's interesting that that Coach Lalonde specifically referenced Johnson, Coleman, and Goodrow as maybe the Lightning's most consistently good line during this time that these new line combinations have been in effect. They were certainly very effective last night. I mean, Johnson scored the even strength goal in the first period on a really good tip. I mean, he gets positioned in front, and he tips it with the the backhand part of his stick blade, and then he sets up he sets up Coleman for the overtime winner. That was not a five on five, but it was still even strength. I do want to get into Greg a little bit to the game last night because we haven't we haven't dug it apart too much sure. yet. Because I mean, I think Newsy said he really liked their first and third period, especially their third period. I agree with that. The second period was not good for the Lightning. They did not have a great start in that they took a four-minute penalty two minutes into the game, and they gave up a goal on the first half of that, which means that the Wings stayed on the power play for the second two minutes. But during that second kill, they had three shorthanded chances, including Coleman's shorthanded breakaway. So now he's had two games in a row where he's had shorthanded breakaways, didn't score on it, but he's getting those looks. And after the penalty ended, Chief was up in arms about this play. I remember the play, but Rasmussen had what was Detroit's fifth shot in the period. It came maybe four and a half minutes into the game. It was after the the penalty on Stamkos had expired, and it was one nothing Detroit. Vasilevsky made a really good save on Rasmussen, who had a lean to get to the front of the net. After that, the Lightning took over the first period. They had eight of the final nine shots in the period, and that one Detroit shot came like in the last minute or so of the period. It was a nothing shot. During that time, the Lightning scored two goals. They really took over the game. I think going into the first intermission, you might remember how you discussed things with Kaylee, but I think from the Lightning standpoint, they're like, we're feeling good about where we are right now. We're up 2-1. to one. It could have been more than 2-1. to one. We, had a, we had the weird start where we gave up the power play goal, but – Pretty good, pretty good first period. They were not good at all in the second. And and what I thought plagued them was 
their attention to detail was not where it needed to be. They had they had missed coverage on some some rush plays. In fact, both Detroit goals came off the rush where there were blown coverage situations. McDonough and Chernak got stuck out there on the Larkin goal. Second period is the period of the long change, which played a factor in the overtime winner as well. But when you have tired defensemen out there, and the forward unit was fresher, you absolutely have to bail out your defensemen and get the puck in deep when you have a chance. The Lightning had a chance to get the puck in deep, didn't. The 2D could not come off the ice. Detroit reversed it quickly. And, you know, McDonough kind of got caught in no man's land between Fabry and Larkin. And I will I will acknowledge that he was probably tired, too, because he had had a very long shift and couldn't get off the ice. And Larkin gets in an alone chance. So, you know, those are those are critical mistakes and mistakes that came back to hurt the Lightning because the 2-1 game became 3-2. But in the third, not only did they rebound and regroup, they had to kill an early penalty to Sorelli, which they did. And probably within a couple of minutes, they kind of took over the rest of the game. And they got rewarded on the Chernak goal, but they had other chances. I mean, Point almost scored from the side of the net. Chernak shot, hit, Palat went off the post. I mean, they could have won that game in regulation. No so doubt. a good first, a really good third, not a good second. <laughs> I'm probably stating the obvious here. And then in overtime, three on three, you don't often see the line change yield a scoring chance like that in overtime because it's. I feel like in the three-on-three teams are so uh, not cautious, but they're measured in making sure that they're getting their line changes done. Like guys will curl back behind the net, and often both teams will change. And Sergachev just didn't let Detroit get away with it. <laughs> like they were, they were, their forwards are coming off. They're like, okay, we're making a change. Lightning have the puck in the D zone, no big deal. Up the ice, it went two-on-one. That was a heck of a and, pass, And the Lightning too. finished. Heck of a pass Sergachev had. Yeah. You know, up. And then, you know, the finish. Again, I, I Blake Holm, I mean, just the, the finish up top. I mean, going high. And, you know, Grice had come in and not played very well for Detroit. Maybe his numbers, that's a little misleading when you're not playing for, you know, when you're playing in front of a team that's struggling, your numbers as a goaltender are going to reflect that. Although I, I, I think Chief had mentioned <laughs> – the numbers in the pregame, he was shocked to see the the numbers Grice had been putting up this year. But top shelf like that, a, a beautiful shot. But it was interesting, uh, Jeff Blashill before it might have been a couple of days ago when we were talking about uh, he was talking about the the Lightning and how good they were. Very complimentary, Dave, of Tampa Bay's left side, and very complimentary of Ryan McDonough. But obviously, Hedman and Sergachev and. You can tell there are, there are coaches, when they talk about the Lightning, they gush. They try not to, to throw uh, too many compliments their way. But, I mean, even he was was like, yeah, these guys are, are really good. And then you factor in yeah. Chernak in the game he had. And, um, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving with Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop, uh, tremendous goaltender for the Lightning, goes to L.A. And the uh, Lightning get Chernak. And, you know, Chernak turns out to be a top four, you know, defenseman for this team. Really good to see. And the ability, Dave, and I don't know if it's a skill. I'm assuming it is, but I'm sure a lot of defensemen work on it because you see so many blocked shots today. His ability to get the shot on net, that yeah. is a skill. I don't, I, but I, I don't know how you develop that. Because I don't know either. He was asked about that post game. I know. 
I mean, he said, you know, I mean, he just said, I try and uh, everyone's trying to block shots. I mean, you can aim for the net. That's one yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know that you can guarantee that it's going to get all the way through, but it is very, very important if you are the defenseman taking the shot to make sure that it gets past the first defender. Correct. So you don't want it. If it's going to be blocked, you don't want it blocked up high by the blue line because we have seen what can happen. The puck can come out of the zone and it might be a breakaway coming back to your end. Yeah, it's a real skill set for whatever reason, and uh, he's got it, and that was good to see. But, uh, you know, we'll see if that picks up tomorrow. I'll be curious to see what the lineup is tomorrow, and uh, we'll have all that coverage for you guys. Again, noon to one right here on Lightning Power Plays. The Bolts will take on the Red Wings. Dave, last game of this road trip, and then it's back home, and I think a lot of fans are excited to um, yep. embrace the banner with – the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Stanley Cup uh, banner being raised, which will be a lot of fun, and we'll have all that coverage for you as well. Thanks to Derek Lalonde, who joined us earlier. We'll get to more of your questions tomorrow, kind of a jam-packed show today. And, uh, you know, with the horn blowing, it, it threw me off, so that's why we had to uh, make, a little, make a little change of plans there. Yes, play that, Steve. I appreciate that uh, on your end. Dave, great job as always, bud. We'll do it again tomorrow. You too. All right, that is Dave Mishkin. Thanks to Steve Ersnick blowing that horn. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I am Greg Linnelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.